Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I want to uh, take a minute and, and I wanna, we want to celebrate all women in this room today. And um, Ryan said something that was really good. I don't know if you caught that during worship. He says, isn't it funny that, you know, we'll put on our Sunday best and we kind of dress up the outside and we come in and we know, some of you ladies probably know that while you were, you know, putting yourself together this morning, you guys probably takes a lot less time to put yourself together. Um, but you're thinking like, as I get dressed up and I do that in the inside, man, your heart's just crying out. And, and the word says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Everybody say the heart. And let me tell you the coolest part about the fact that God looks at the heart. He doesn't see your heart as the things that you do. He doesn't look at your heart as the things that you do. He looks at your heart and who you are, who he created you to be, amen? And so here in just a minute, ladies, I'm gonna have all of you stand up in the room here in just a second. And as you stand up today, we just, we wanna speak value into you. Maybe you came in here this morning, you're worn out and you're tired and you're weary and you just kinda feel like, well, we just said that maybe you've missed the mark in life, not just at motherhood, because I know we've got a lot of women in here um, that aren't those physical mothers, but God has placed his value on you. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna do this if we can. Can I just, can we have all women stand up in the room? Not just mothers, just all women stand up. Will you stand up? We're gonna celebrate you today. I wanna read something over you that um, Tara had found um, from a popular kind of uh, writer. Her name is Ann Voskamp. And I just really feel like this is an honor and a tribute to all women. And she says this, turns out the woman who grew your body may, may not be the woman who grows your soul. And the woman you were tethered to with an umbilical cord may not be the only one who's tied to your heart. Because to grow a soul, it will take a body of women. Birth mothers and soul mothers and spiritual mothers and sister mothers. There's no class system of mothers. There's only passing on grace. We don't pass judgment on any woman. We only pass on the grace of God in their life. I've known women who've birthed and loved babies they didn't raise, and women who loved and raised babies they didn't birth. We don't rank women, we only thank women for doing what they could, when they could, how they could, and the only way they could. Amen? I know that there are women in there in this place today, you've got physical babies, and there are women in here, you've got spiritual babies. You never had a child yourself, but you know that God has placed in your heart the life-giving nature of who Jesus is, and we celebrate you today. I know that there are women in here who've suffered loss, and women in here who are praying with anticipation for life to come. Whatever stage of life you're in, you are no less than, no higher than, you are all equal into the person that God created you to be, amen? And so today we celebrate you. And I want to pray over you, and I want you to know that when you leave this place today, we've got a little card for you with a little gift attached to it. It's nothing big. It's just to simply let you know that today we honor you. We honor you for who you are. And so, guys, um, I, we always say if you feel comfortable, and even if you don't, that's okay. 
we're gonna ask you just to kind of extend a hand out to the women around you, just kind of just noting that, you know, Father's, he's gonna cover everybody in here, but just kind of put a hand out or put a hand up. We just wanna pray over all of you ladies in this room today. God, we are so grateful for women. God, we thank you that when you created men and women, you called them co-equal, God, that we co-labor together. That Jesus, there are things that you put in the heart of women that you didn't put in the heart of men and things that you put in the heart of men that you didn't put in the heart of women and that together, Father, as brothers and sisters in Christ, together, we make up the body of Christ. And so God, I just pray for every woman that's out there today that they would be deeply honored in this place. God, from those that have had kids, to those who've never had kids, to those who've suffered loss, to those who are praying for, for life, God, to be formed, for those that don't have any desire for that, God, but know that you've created them with value. God, every woman in this room, when she walks out of this place today, may she know that the God of the universe stepped down off of his throne, that he could breathe life into you. And that, God, when they walk out here, it doesn't matter what the world has said. It doesn't matter what, what the world has said and words have hurt and words have wounded and actions have wounded. Today, may they receive the value of Jesus Christ written on every heart. So we pray for that today, Father. That you would be glorified, that you would be honored in the heart of every woman in this place. And as men, Jesus, we celebrate their value as co-laborers in Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, guys, can we give a hand to the ladies in this room? As I mentioned, um, there's going to be an opportunity for you guys to get a gift when you leave. And then also, we've got a little photo booth over there. Um, whether you came with your family or by yourself, encourage you to go over there and snap some pictures and remember this day that you received the value of Jesus in your life. Amen. I'm going to invite ushers to come on forward. Um, Tara, Christy coming up here. Um, and as the ushers come forward, um, we're going to take up our offering. And, and uh, then we've got two awesome speakers today that are going to bring um, their heart and just uh, their testimony and what the Lord has done in their life. Father, we love you. And thank you, Jesus, for the way you take care of us. Um, God, even I think of all of those who are just struggling, God, sickness and, and uh, those those who have suffered loss in their families. I think of those who are going through cancer treatment, Father, and um, so many things to be praying for. And so, Lord, we, we give those all to you today, knowing that as a family, God, we're in this together. And so we pray for those that are struggling, God, that they would know they're not alone and that, uh, Jesus, we carry the burden of one another. But ultimately, God, your word says that we are to cast our anxieties and our burdens upon you, for you care for us. And so, Jesus, today, we thank you that you take those, God. You, you're big enough to shoulder those, and we give those to you this morning. Lord, even as we take up our offering, Lord, we just want to celebrate, say thank you for the way you take care of Reliance Community Church. God, we uh, pray that as this offering comes in, we say the same thing every Sunday, God. We pray that you would help us to not build man-made systems. God, we're not looking for, God, just larger buildings and just more stuff. God, would you help us to take this offering and sow it into the hearts of those who need it the most. Help us to partner with missionaries, God. Help us to partner with those taking the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Locally and globally, God, we want to sow in this offering in the way that you've blessed us. We want to sow it in, God, so that seeds of the gospel we planted. And so, Jesus, help us to partner with those that are re ready and willing to do that. Thank you, God, for the way you take care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? 
Amen. Can you guys uh, welcome Tara and Christy today as they bring the word? Okay. Can you hear me? There we go. Okay. Good morning, Reliance. Okay. Um, Tara and I are very honored to be able to speak to you today. And not because we stand up here as Hallmark moms or as super women, but we come to you today as women who want to be open and real and transparent. Because the truth is, our homes are filled with lots of arguments and tears. Many days that seem to have no end, unfinished homework, burnt dishes, burnt dinners, stacked dishes, piles of laundry, no clean underwear, lost shoes, lost socks, and lots of days that feel bad and look really ugly. Um, We've questioned whether we are messing up our kids and even failing as a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, or a neighbor. But we're going to sit right down with you today, and we're going to address two things that we believe women struggle with, the lies that we believe and overcoming our feelings with truth. We're going to go here today because we want each of you women to leave with the ultimate gift, and that is the gift of truth. You see, today isn't just for moms, but it's for all women. We know that you've been lied to. Maybe you've recognized it, maybe you haven't, but today we want to shatter every lie that the enemy has spoken to you as a woman, and we want to teach you how to live above your feelings. The Bible says in John 8:44, when speaking about the devil, that he never stood with the truth, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of all lies. In fact, the very first sin on earth was committed because Eve believed a lie that the serpent had told her. Remember that the serpent did not first approach the man. He deliberately approached and deceived the woman. And to this day, there's a unique sense in which Satan targets women for deception. Some people might say that Satan deceived Eve with a half-truth, but a half-truth is still a lie. And just like it began with Eve, the enemy's strategy is the same today. Lies and deception was and is his only tactic. So I'm really excited to turn this over to Tara. And she's going to share on where and in different seasons we've allowed lies to enter our life. And unfortunately, those lies have built up foundations. So I'm going to turn it over and let Tara speak to you guys. Good morning. Um, So my name is Tara Wells. Um, I've been a mama of Reliance for going on eight years. I have six kids all in the front row. That's their sacrifice of praise this morning, sitting on the front row. Um, Their age is nine through 16. And at one point this year, we had three 14-year-old girls. So um, we understand all stages of life. And we believe that children are a blessing Babies are a blessing, and teenagers are a blessing. All stages are a blessing, amen? All right, so when Aaron asked us to speak on Mother's Day, uh, my knee-jerk reaction was that I would pray about it, Um, but I already believed that I couldn't do it. You don't teach adults, you teach kids. You aren't going to have grace for this because it's outside of your calling. 
You can't speak. You can't memorize. You don't know the word well enough. You have too much going on in the kids' wing with guys serve Sunday. (laughs) They're in good hands, guys. You don't have anything to offer that other women in Reliance can't speak on. And these are the lies that whispered in my ear. It was like a gong just radiating over and over. But then there was a still, small voice that said, who said that? Who said that? That was even louder. Even though it was quieter, it was louder. Is that a truth or a lie? Does that sound like something I would tell you? I told Aaron I would pray about it, but the truth was <laughs> I was already convinced that I wasn't going to speak. I needed, I needed some buffer time to pray about it, but there's a whole hallway full of guys serving today. We all know Aaron can be pretty convincing when he asks you to do something, right? So um, I told him, I had the nerve to say, why don't you pray about it? I've already prayed about it. I think I know what I'm going to say. Why don't you pray about it? And so we had this going back and forth, yet here I am. So um, I have wrestled with the enemy on your behalf this week. Christy has wrestled on your behalf today because we believe we have a word that you need to hear, women. Aaron, Ryan, and Matt make it look so easy, but trust me, it's not. Um, Some of you in this room are overwhelmed with motherhood. You barely made it through the night You had a baby crying, you got thrown up on. Some of you are grieving over an empty nest this morning or your empty arms or a broken relationship with your mother or your daughter. And I've been in all those stages. But we see you today and we grieve with you and you're not alone. As I was praying for you guys, I I asked the Lord, what is one common denominator that every woman in this room has And maybe it's because of the stage of life I'm in. But I feel like every woman in this room needs to hear that we have all survived middle school. Can I get an amen? Middle school is a little rough. A little rough. Or we're walking someone else through middle school right now. An army through middle school. But I'm here to say that we are taking back middle school. So today we're going to talk about middle school a little bit. So last year... We broke the EMS school record with the most kids from one family at a time in their school. We had two eighth graders and two seventh graders. My kids are all blushing at this point. Um, So the flashbacks started coming back to me in middle school. I always wished that I was one of those Southern mamas, you know, the the Krista Halls that come and squeeze you and make you feel great inside. Um, Had a saying for every situation, but that's not me. I wish it were, but it's just not I am the friend, though, who will sit and listen. I'll contend on your behalf in the secret place. If you ask me to pray for you and I say that I will, I truly will. Advice doesn't come easy or naturally to me, um, but I do remember giving my middle schoolers a piece of advice when they were in middle school. Some of them have aged out of middle school, but I told them the secret to middle school and life is realizing that those that look like they have it all together probably don't. So when I was in middle school and a little before, when I was a kid, I was a total tomboy. I mean, complete um, tomboy. I grew up in Oklahoma, football country. I saw someone with an OSU shirt on. Let me clarify, I was a Sooner fan, grew up a Sooner fan. So, um, but there were four neighborhood guys and my brother and I, and we played football every day after school. 
Um, I wasn't exactly invited to play with them, but I just decided I was going to. So when one of them told me that I couldn't play with them because I was a girl, um, and this wasn't one of my proudest moments as a woman or a decent human being, but um, I spit on him <laughs> right in the middle of his shirt and because um, I was going to prove that I could play football. So it seemed fair. I couldn't because I was a girl. I was too weak. I was too fragile. I didn't understand the game. Guess what? I did play. And the notion that women are less than men is a lie. The lie goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, just like Christy talked about. The serpent whispered to Eve, did God really say? Did God really say means, can you hear his voice as a woman? Can you even remember what he said? Even if you quote verbatim what God spoke, the enemy will come back with the direct lie. God didn't say that. Does that sound familiar? Mind games, mental warfare, I think we can all relate to that. So we've detected the lie. Now hear this truth. 2 Timothy 3 says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Scripture equips us. We can do things. So the lie is that we're incapable as women, but the truth is that we are equipped for every good work. I know my rough and tough spit-launching self sounded pretty fearless. Um... But I walked in a lot of fear as a child, and it wasn't until years later that I began to unravel and get set free from walking in the fear that I, I realized where it originated. So I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I grew up both in Illinois and Oklahoma, but had a mom, a dad, a brother, a dog, a white picket fence. Um, I can't think of many times that my dad wasn't home as a child, I generally went to bed feeling safe. That was a gift. Um, We lived in an old Victorian home that was a treasure chest full of constant discoveries of antiques. We had coins that would sneak out from under the carpet. We found vintage baseball cards in the shed drawers. It was a really cool um, place to grow up. So the doctor in town had practiced in our home and he had passed away and then we moved in. And there were these large people-sized mounds in the basement. I was convinced that there were people inside them, like his previous patients. But um, it was a really cool place to grow up. And there was a vintage x-ray machine in the basement. And um, anyway, so one night, my dad was out of town for training, which was really rare because he worked in the oil field. Um, But my bedroom was the first one at the top of the stairs. And that night, before we went to bed, I noticed that the door in the kitchen that went down to the basement and the cellar and outside was unlocked, and it's not something I would typically notice, but I remember locking it. It was like a 1900s deadbolt, which is not super strong, but I do remember locking it. So later that night, we heard a loud noise coming from downstairs. So it was my mom, my brother, and I. And I don't remember everything that happened that night, 
but I remember fear in my mom's voice as she hung up the phone with my dad, who was describing how to load his gun, and she wasn't able to load it. I remember her calling our friend who was a police officer and urgently asking him to come over. I remember them showing me a box that had fallen in the dining room, telling me that that's the sound that we heard. And I remember not believing them. I remember sleeping that night at our friend's house, and I remember never being the same after that night. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I learned the truth that someone had come into our house that night. There was evidence that someone had come in through the cellar door from the outside, broken cobwebs down, because we didn't go down there very often, and attempted to come into our house through our kitchen. But the door had been locked. I didn't know who or what the Holy Spirit was at that time. I didn't know about angels and demons. I didn't even really know who God was, but I was protected by God. The Holy Spirit was the one who prompted me to lock the door that day, and I did. And however, after that night, I decided it was my responsibility to be the watchman for our family. I laid in bed at night and stared for hours at my door. I lost peace, I lost sleep, and I lost a feeling of being safe, and I walked in fear. It tormented me day and night. Night was the worst, though. Even into adulthood, I couldn't even walk into the kitchen for a glass of water at night in the dark. I laid awake and listened for intruders all hours of the night. Fear consumed me. And then it began to manifest as anxiety. Was I swinging my arms the right way, walking down the hall in junior high? Um, just everything you could possibly imagine, every minuscule, minuscule thought, was I doing it right? I now know that the word says so many things about fear. The truth, the truth is that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love drives out fear. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. One version of 1 Peter 5 says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. That fear was like wearing an apron that they put on you at the dentist office, you know, those really heavy ones, and trying to run a marathon. It was a load that was too heavy for me to carry, and I didn't know how to let go of this fear. It's all that I knew, because I had grown up with it, became comfortable. It was who I was. So fast forward to 2013. Those of you that have walked with me for years um, know that 2013 was a hard year for our family. Um, I kissed dating goodbye in high school, like every good Christian in 1999 did. Um, in college, I got married in college, and I did everything right, everything by the book that Joshua Harris said to do. First came love, then came marriage, then came Tara pushing a baby carriage, and sometimes the baby carriage had four kids like jumping out of it and landing on their head. But, um, but that fear followed me into motherhood in different ways. So long story short, one of my worst fears came true. I found myself contending for my marriage, and I was the only one contending for it. I truly believe that my abrupt singleness could not have been more difficult had I become a widow. There was no warning. 
Nothing could have prepared me for going from a homeschooling mom of four to being completely alone for days at a time every other weekend. Marriage and family was all I knew, and it was all I had ever wanted or dreamed of. And I can't tell you how or when, but I can tell you why I was delivered from fear. God knew my threshold, and in his great mercy, he removed fear from me completely. I went from not being able to get myself a glass of water at night to being the protector of my home by myself. And there was some, I failed at times. A garage door opened one time and I called the cops. Like I was, um, there were some times that it was a little touch and go. But I did bathe our home in praise music, in the word and in truth. John 1.5 says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Some versions say the darkness can never extinguish it. And in Psalms it says, he inhabits the praises of his people. So every night I gathered my four grieving kids in my lap and we all cried together for months and months. We sang the same three worship songs every single night. We contended with praise. We filled our home with praise because that's all we knew to do, praise. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know where I would live. I didn't know what our future would look like. I didn't know what I would eat that day. I didn't know how to make a meal anymore, but I knew who God was. And when we started praising, that fear left. Suddenly, I didn't command it to leave. I didn't ask God to remove it. There was just no room for it anymore. It was just gone. So the lie was that it was up to me, that I was the watchman, that my good behavior and choices could determine my future. But the truth was that it was up to God. We're all sinners. We're saved by grace. And what God had for me was so much better than what I planned for myself. And they're on the front row now. (laughs) God is love and perfect love drives out fear. So women, listen. You are are equipped for every good work. Perfect love drives out fear. Fall in love with Jesus and there's no room for fear. So I want you to stop and think for a second about who you were in middle school. For some of us, that was just yesterday or two days ago. For some of us, that was a little bit longer, but think about who you were. Lies often happen during periods of rapid growth or transition. And middle school was once a playground for the enemy, but we're taking that back. We're taking back that ground in Jesus' name. We're declaring that there's no room for those lies any longer. So Romans 4 says, that God can make things as though they, they were. So surely, if God can make things as though they were, surely he can make things that happened as though they never happened. We're full of the resurrecting power of Jesus. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a lie to you that you believed about yourself in middle school or another period of transition or growth. Ask him how that lie has transcended to where you are right now. So were you the girl that had to have perfect grades? Were you the good Christian girl, whatever that means? Did you think good behavior could mean eternal life? 
Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. You can't earn salvation. You can't be good enough. We're all sinners. Were you a late bloomer? Not noticed by boys, undesirable? Did you ever think that maybe God was guarding your heart for you? Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Have you ever thanked him for being ugly in middle school? His timing and his his protection is flawless. When he looks at you, though, even in middle school, guess what? He sees a masterpiece. He sees pure beauty, radiant beauty without flaw. Did you make mistakes that led you on a path of destruction in middle school? Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There are no more. Did you look around at all the other girls who seem to have it all together? Do you still walk into a room and carry that pain of loneliness with you, looking for someone to sit by in the cafeteria? You feel that way? That fear of rejection, guess what? We are all a mess, all of us. (laughs) We're all a work in progress. And the only thing that matters is Jesus. It's the only confidence that remains. Paul says he considers personal gains garbage, that he can gain Christ and be found in him. And Philippians 3, 4, so no perfect hair or nails, or outfit, or perfect personality, or weight, or giftings, or job, or husband, or children's behavior, or new car, or education, or status matters. The only thing that remains is Jesus, and knowing him is the only way to have it all together, the only way. And it's not because we hold it together, it's because we can't hold it together and he can So I want to encourage you to just entrust yourself to Jesus. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, I hope that you can see just by Tara's testimony how easy it is to let lies become foundations that we then build upon. Satan's really good at prying on our emotions and feelings, and we as women tend to live by our feelings more than anything else, it seems, most of the time. To be honest, I've lived my life based on my feelings, and unfortunately, my feelings didn't always speak very kindly to my spirit. Just this week, um, I have labored over this message, and many times I felt like I was failing, I felt like I wasn't enough, I felt self-doubt, I felt insecure, I felt frustration, I felt discouraged. I even felt at times that God doesn't hear my prayers or speak to me. You see, oftentimes what we feel doesn't line up with what God says. Feelings can be really great indicators, but they should never be dictators, especially when they contradict the truth of God. One of my favorite authors and speakers says it this way, feelings are great servants, but they're terrible masters. While they're extremely valuable, it's important to recognize that how we feel isn't always how we are, and what we feel isn't who we are. 
So feelings can indicate where our heart is in the moment, but that doesn't mean they have to be the boss. Because if we aren't careful, our feelings may begin to overtake our faith. And faith oftentimes is about believing the exact opposite of what we feel. So to give you an example of this, when I first became pregnant, I expected everything to go according to the book. And just like all my friends had experienced. However, at 29 weeks, I walked into my OB's office for a regular scheduled checkup. I hadn't felt great that morning, but when you're pregnant, there's lots of days when you don't feel great. And with this being my first pregnancy, I knew no different. So my doctor told me that morning that my water had started leaking, and I was to immediately go over to Wesley and check in on the labor and delivery floor. He said that he would do everything that he could to stop the labor in hopes of buying me more time. I remember feeling panicked and scared thinking, why is this happening? What did I do wrong? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Well, my doctor was able to stop my labor, but because of the risk of infection, he put me on permanent bed rest. And not at home, I was on permanent bed rest at Wesley. Floor five, room 313 became my new home. But wait, what about that baby shower that my friends were planning for me? or the room that Erin and I were trying to prepare, or the birthing classes that I hadn't yet taken, or the last days of pregnancy that I was supposed to cherish and enjoy. But there I sat, day in and day out, in the same bed, on the same floor. Instead of preparing for the joys of delivery, I was preparing for what it was going to look like to have a premature baby. And at 32 weeks, Tyson was born. My whole world was turned upside down. Upon delivery, my baby was taken from me and rushed to the NICU. He was small, he was frail, his lungs were underdeveloped, and he needed assistance to breathe and to survive. We had a long road ahead of us, and one that no baby book ever prepared me for. In this situation, all I could think about was how this disappointment made me feel instead of what God may be doing that I could not yet see. I was definitely upset that things didn't go as I had planned, and I even felt like, at times, that life was not fair. Instead of trusting that God is in control, even if I don't yet understand his ways. I heard a quote one time that said, I wonder sometimes if we're serving the God of our feelings more than the God of the Bible. But when we believe the lies that the enemy puts in our minds over the word of God, we will feel like the lies are true, and then we'll live like it. So maybe you walked in here this morning feeling and therefore believing that you aren't pretty enough or skinny enough or dressed well enough, that you aren't smart enough, gifted enough, or even equipped enough for the roles that God has called you to. Maybe you're battling feelings of worthlessness this morning because you're single or divorced, struggling with infertility, or waiting on the return of a prodigal son or daughter. Some of you may be thinking, but I can't help the way I feel. And to be honest, I completely agree with you. I can't help the way I feel at times either. Feelings definitely are real, but this I know. Even though my feelings will never go away, I can let them rule over me, or I can learn to rule over them with the truth. The key here is refusing to be passive and just waiting for someone or someone else to make you 
feel any differently. You see, ladies, we've got to take action and engage our mind and make a conscious decision to stand on the truth. John 8.32 says this, For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. I want you to hear that scripture again. When we embrace truth, what does it mean to embrace? It means to accept, to welcome, to receive, to hold close. It is then that we will be set free from the lies. And how do we embrace the truth? We read and meditate on the word of God, and we accept and receive what God says is actually our reality. We truly need to think about what we're thinking about. That sounds really funny, doesn't it? But I want to say that again. We need to think about what we are thinking about. We have to take a proactive role in evaluating our thoughts, and no one else can do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. It truly doesn't matter how you feel, because today you may walked in, walked in here feeling overwhelmed, hopeless, fearful, panicked, or depressed, but you've got to call upon your spirit to arise and tell your brain what to think even when your feelings don't line up, even when your emotions are pushing against your heart to shut down. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. That's a really good word on what our thoughts should be focused on. We have to force our brain to think about the truth and then force our voice to speak the truth from our mouths. For when you control your thoughts, your feelings and actions will eventually fall in line. Thank goodness he gave us women more than just a heart for which to process life. He also gave us minds as well. In fact, the Bible says he gave us the very mind of Christ. And here's the truth today that I want you to walk out with. All of God's thoughts towards us are seeped in love, that he is a loving father, that he is a good, good father, that he does not abuse his children, he doesn't abandon them, he doesn't blame or shame or condemn them. His intent for us is truly restoration, wholeness, hope, and life. So today, our challenge to you is twofold. First, to identify any lies that you've believed. And second, to address how you've lived in your feelings and allowed those to control you. And we want to help you in that process today. We want to be able to declare some truths over you today. And so at this time, I'd like to invite the band to make their way up. And in doing that, again, we want all women to stand from the youngest of you to the oldest of you today. And men, if you are near any of these women, would you please extend a hand out to them as we begin to make these declarations? And women, I just um, ask that you would put your hands out as though you are ready to receive from the Lord. Women of Reliance, you are equipped. Women of Reliance, you will no longer walk in fear. Women of Reliance will discern the lies of the enemy and turn them to truths from God. 
Women of Reliance, you are bringers of life. Women of Reliance have each other's backs and defend each other. God is for the Women of Reliance. The Women of Reliance can do hard things and are up to their God-given tasks. Women of Reliance, accept the covering the Lord has placed over you for your protection. The Women of Reliance are reverent, self-controlled, pure, and kind. Women of Reliance are diligent with that which we have been called to and lay down the habit of being idle. We are not anxious, we are thankful. We are filled with a covenant of peace. Our hearts and our minds are guarded. The women of Reliance fix our minds on things above, not on earthly things. We focus on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. We just ask that you let the truth of these declarations become your new reality, not your circumstances. Would you receive the gift of truth today? Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.